friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine, a brother, he gave me this advice. All right, for the next 30 days, scratch that, make it 90. I want you to, anytime any anybody says anything good about you or I like your eyes today or I like your hair or you drive well or whatever, I want you to say that back to yourself three times and like pause and just do that. So I'm like, this sounds like the dumbest thing ever, but I'm always, you know, I said it earlier, I don't say no to very much and I'm like, all right, I'll try it. Why not? It wasn't, it was within like just a few days where I realized, holy crap, like a lot of people say nice things to me and all I do is really ignore them or tell them they're stupid or like all these terrible things and it's like, well, I'm really insulting them. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenneth Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. Parker J. Pfister is an artist, a teacher, and a mentor. He creates stories using photography and film as his translators. He's an avant-garde director of photography and a fine art photographer based out of Asheville, North Carolina, and yet you'll often find him traveling around the country in his sprinter van, named Homer after his grandfather. After decades working as a wedding photographer, Parker's focus is now creating fine art images and leading workshops that transform his attendees far beyond their photography. He and his partner, Elizabeth Alina, create spaces and experiences for people to get out of their comfort zone, identify personal blocks, break through those blocks, and then use that heightened emotion to create images full of feeling. This is We Are Photographers with Parker J. Pfister, and this is his story. Right. Parker Fister, so fabulous to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. It's great to be here. Thank you for asking. Of course, of course. So I want to start by quoting you. Um, This was at the end. Don't look worried. Don't look worried. (laughs) I look worried. (laughs) (laughs) So I was watching um, some of the films, some of the little short films that you have created on your website. Uh Uh, This one is from several years ago, but from the life, death, and beauty of it all. Uh, And at the end of it, it's you say, be curious, go explore, take chances, experience is our only reward. So I just want to start off by, you know, talking about the meaning of life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right there it it is. That is it. What is it to you that has allowed you to approach life with experience being your priority? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I, I've always had a bit of wonderlust. I've always just, you know, I, I took off for Oregon with a drop of a hat. Literally one day's notice, I left Ohio and moved to Oregon with no money, no anything, and uh, just 
kind of made it out there and I've always been this way. Um, I think one key moment for me was um, my grandpa Homer and Homer, which I now have a sprinter van that I travel all around the country in. And its name is Homer, of course, because he told me the person with the most stories wins, which was something that nobody in the family can even believe that he said, like, including me. It's like, wait, I mean, he, he traveled all over the place and uh, he was in the army and uh, Corps engineers and built bridges and buildings and airstrips and everything like that. But it was just this really sobering moment when he said it and he, he said it with such clarity and intention. And it's like Jason, which is what the J stands for. Many people thinks it stands for genius, but it doesn't. Um, he's like, Jason, just remember the person with the most stories wins. And I took it and ran with it. And so there's very little I'll say no to. And I love trying new things. I love experimenting. I love seeing what's around the next corner. Um, whether it be in life or photography, it's all the same to me. It's it's just a way of life. And it's it's kind of gotten me to that, that point of living an artful life. How do you think living an artful life is seen through your work? <laughs> well... Uh, cause it spans pretty much the whole entire, uh, genre of photography. It's, I go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, which, um, has kind of led me to where I am now, which is this kind of vortex of ideas and thoughts and, and things I want to do that there's so many, I can't even grab one right now. So I'm in an utter state of confusion, um, which you know, if you're an artist, I, I imagine you get there occasionally, but I'm in there deep at this moment, like right now. And it's, um, I'm just scattered. I, 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 uh, I'm so focused on being creative that, but I'm scattered everywhere. I, I just told my buddy Joe the other day that I was like a laser beam shotgun. And that's the description of where I am. It's like, pinpoint focus but scattered all over the place so what about so so why is it at this point in your life that you feel this way because you said like specifically right now in your life right now in my life well um shooting my last wedding last year after shooting my first wedding in 1984 it's been a while a little bit and a little bit i took a little little break in between um but it's been a lot of a lot of just that, a lot of wedding photography, dealing with the wedding clients. And I say dealing with like, it's a bad thing, but well, for the most part it was, um, most, uh, that's not true. They're all, they're all lovely people except a few. Um, it, uh, it was a lot of work and I always made a pack with myself that if photography becomes work, change it, do something else. And so no matter what, I'll change it. And I've been that way you know, I, I don't, I don't hold steady to any one particular way. Um, and I can leave it, even if it, if it's a financial like impact, 
it doesn't bother me. I've kind of run off a tangent here. I forgot what I was talking about. No, it was just a matter of, of this point in your life uh, right. where things are shifting. And so how have you made a transition from, cause you were only shooting like you had, you had a sweet setup where you were shooting yeah. from 20 per year down to 10 per year for a number yep. of times as you were also allowing yourself the time to create right or quote unquote real art or your serious art or whatever it is. And you can describe what that, what that actually means to you. Right. But, um, but so that this transition that has left you scattered, uh, perhaps what, um, what allowed you, you know, a lot of people are taking the leap from a nine to five job into say doing wedding photography, full-time portrait photography, whatever sure. it is. So now you've made the next leap. And right. was that scary? Was that frightening? Scary is uh, scary is a uh, <clears throat> not a word I'm too familiar with, but it was it was it was definitely a leap of faith. It's like I but I know it'll come. Like whatever I've set my mind to, I just I always do things my way, and my ways never failed me. So it's going to be, it's going to happen one way or another, um, but it's not going to be easy. It's definitely uh, a much harder path. I know that I'm taking like the fine art route um, and, and kind of going, okay, do I want to incorporate portraits in this as well? So where, you know, the weddings always afforded me to do my personal work, which was the personal work was much more important to me. And it was just a selfish thing that I make work for me. Even when I was making work at weddings, I was doing the shots and the images for me. And if, you know, I love them, then I know they'll love them. So um, weddings had always been kind of the, uh, the meal ticket, I guess. And now that I don't have that, it's like, will I incorporate portraits to kind of, kind of support my habit? Um because all I really want to do is create work that means something to me that I know means something to the world. And whether it be just one person in the world or the whole world, I don't care. I'll do it one at a time. And, you know, it's uh, it has a reason. It has a purpose. Um, so it, it's it's a little, I guess it's a little frightening to know. I'm not sure whether everything's going to work out as planned. And then on the other hand, it's like, God, I hope things don't work out as planned. So it's, it's being, it's having that freedom. I love that you said that because that's how I've viewed your approach to life and life being more about experience and that confidence that things will work out without a plan. Yes. So were you always that way? What, let's go back to you. I know you started photography really young. Yep. Let's go back to to young Parker or Jason. Did, were you called Jason as a I kid? Was J I was Jason up until I was uh, 21 oh, or so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's an interesting too. So so young Jason, oh boy. Um, tell, tell me more about, because you have a, a very... Uh, a very interesting family. And so you're, you're in terms of creativity. And so I'm curious about you as a creative child. Oh, a creative child. I was, 
Yeah, I was very creative because we had sticks and dirt to play with when I was a kid. And we walked uphill both ways. Barefoot. Oh, wait. No, that's somebody else's way. Through the um, snow. Yeah. Never heard that. Um, yeah, my my dad was a scientist. Um, my mom wasn't. But she was very active in the Cub Scouts and um, doing school activities and things like that. So I had my dad teaching me at, and I was also into um, competitive shooting at the same time, like not cameras, but guns. So I was, um, I placed like number seven in the US when I was 11 years old at Trap. The same year, I won second place at the World Fair for photography. So it's this weird thing that I just like shooting things, whether it be with a One camera or, <laughs> or a shotgun. Um, and that, you know, I had my dad teaching me how, how um, black powder works or how to reload shells uh, to shoot. And in the meanwhile, it's like, hey, Jason, you know, you can actually make a little bomb like this, too. So he's teaching me how to make bombs to blow up trees and stuff in the backyard. And my mom's teaching me how to macrame. And so I made this owl macrame thing that held, I still remember this, that held this pot that you could put um, put plants in and grow and it hung on the wall for years. And so that was kind of like the back and forth. And then my grandfather, Homer, almost every scar on my body is from him. He was an inventor. Um, he invented all this crazy stuff in the world. and like Including to... birds? What's that? Including birds? Including not... birds. No? Am I wrong? Did he? Or are you saying he invented birds? There... <laughs> I thought I listened to something <laughs> where... I thought it was you where somebody invented two birds. Oh, no. no. That's my dad invented That's your fish. Dad. They were fish. They're kind of like birds. You know, the scales and feathers, they've evolved. They're basically the same thing, Kenna, but I don't want to give you a geography lesson. Wait, geometry. No. What no. Uh, right. uh, biology. Right. Okay. Okay. Take a step back. So, oh, come on. Uh, so your... Um, your father, I mean, your grandfather was inventing all these crazy things. Yep. Your father invents fish. He invented, uh, two fish. Yeah. That are alive in the world because of him, a, a hybrid, a tiger muskie and a saw guy are because of my dad. Um, yeah. Which is just a wild fun fact. It, it um, is a wild fun fact. And so you have invented a very unique way of creating images. And so for people that aren't familiar with just your your craft itself and the types mm. of cameras that you use and printing or, or exposing onto paper um, yep. with large format, can you describe just at a high level what what it is that you've crafted for your work? Oh my gosh. It can, I mean, uh, it depends on the day, Kenna, as to what camera, what technique, what process that I want to play with. Sometimes the subject matter steers me. Sometimes it's just my gut. Sometimes it's the, um, you know, what we're going to do with the images afterwards. Um, whether it's my project or I'm being hired, uh, a lot of things drive me. But 
my my love is to create paper negatives and I use a eight by 10 and a four by five camera. Most of the time, eight by 10. Um, I have a Deerdorf eight by 10 with a 11 and three quarter inch Voigtlander lens, um, Heliar, that is kind of my baby. I've got other lenses for it and things like that. And I shoot film on it too, but paper negs are the, I shot wet plate for quite a while and it became, uh, it became kind of trendy. So for that fact, and that's a subject we can talk about for days about me running from trends that I felt weren't really out there at the time. But as soon as they become popular, I run. It's like, you know, your favorite band until they go mainstream. And then they're like, you're a sellout and you want to quit and you never listen to them again. That's kind of how I am with my work. Why um, paper? I don't know why. Like it's a it's a thing that I really wrestle with. Um, like everybody used to know me as you know using the deer light. They'd call it a deer light. This is like in two thousand two or two thousand one. Uh, first time speaking at WPPI. Um, you know, I used this basically a battery powered spotlight, and that was my lighting setup, and that's what I would shoot weddings with and all these things. And it was so bizarre and weird. Well, the next thing you know, it's marketed as a piece of equipment that you can buy from the guy I know that saw me use that. And it's like, what the, and so it, 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 it comes down to that, you know, it's like everything, um, everything is so special to me. Like it's really, it's not a product. It's not a commodity. What I make and as soon as it becomes that, it kind of grosses me out. And that's where, if it leaves my body, that's where it goes. Like if other people start doing just that, it just becomes this kitschy kind of thing that I see that just makes me really sad inside. Wow. Yeah. But but I we mean... were talking about the, the paper negatives, weren't we? <laughs> Oh, for a moment there we were. <laughs> Good luck uh, keeping up, everybody. I My brain is scattered. We are creatives. We are yeah. creatives. I just think it's interesting because there's you, you are an educator and you go deep with people mm -hmm. and to find their own sort of inner creative. Yes. And so I could only imagine that the people that attend your workshops are influenced by the type of work you're creating. And, and a lot of times when people are starting to create work, they're mimicking other people or what have you. And so it's just, it's interesting that, that you then run away. Yeah. I used to, well, I used to not teach anymore. You know, I, I taught a little bit in the early two thousands and then quit for a very long time for that reason. But now there's a bigger message. There's a bigger why, if you will. There's another overused word um, that, you know, this is for the greater good of photography. Um, I look out there and just see, you know, I've always called them lemmings and they just follow each other right off the cliff, no matter what they're doing. And they don't know why they're doing it. It just, it's a way to do it. I don't know whether it be easy or if you, add this and this, you get this every time. And it's this formula that 
you know, that's, that's the scariest thing in the world to me is to have a formula because the happy accidents go away. There's never any happy accidents. Like, yep, that's exactly what I thought it would do. And where's the surprise in that? You might as well give me a cubicle. And that's, that's precisely the scariest thing in the world for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Going back to a cubicle. Um, and, and yeah, that, um, that just sounds about like the worst thing. And I just went off on a memory of sitting in a cubicle anyway. Oh gosh. Um, I, how did that make you feel sitting in a cubicle? This isn't about me. Um, it's after I traveled around the world for a year, um, and without knowing what plans were going to be in that same, this was back in 2008. And so, there wasn't the internet as easily um, located when you had to go to internet cafes and all of this. So anyway, um, after you have woken up, which might be now be overused as well, sure. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's hard to, to go backwards. Yeah. Which actually leads me into, I want to dive a little bit more into, um, into the workshops and, and, things that you um not things but the the workshops that you have created i have a, a good friend named addy who attended oh. one of your um badlands workshops Lovely and so i actually yes uh i messaged addy uh, and asked uh -oh. her to describe her experience so that i could then present that to you and have you kind of from your oh side my gosh and so I mean, one of the things that she said was the artist within never has the same perspective after experiencing a Parker's workshop. The artist within never has the same perspective. Like once you have gone there with, with yourself, you can't sort of go back. So respond to that. What is your mission um, now that you're no longer photographing weddings and that you do have more of a focus on, on helping others? Ah, my my uh, my mission is to to wake up the inner artist that is in all of us that gets really um, bound down with 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 what they think they should do or what's expected of them or and it's really crazy sad like the people that come in that are doing why why are you doing it that way well because that's the way you're supposed to do it why you're not supposed to do anything there's no supposed in in an artist except doing something do do anything um you know i always try to do what other people aren't and so i i kind of push people to do that as well um and in doing so you know it creates this they start to see themselves in it or they'll have some connection of their past, which they can attach to what they want to say. And what, and that's the thing is just finding your voice. Like, you know, my workshops are called voice lessons for the photographer and through, let's say there's a week long workshop. Like we have one in Morocco that's a week long coming up. So in that week long workshop, the first two days, you will not be allowed to touch your camera at all. It stays in the bag. Same way with the, the Badlands where Addie went. 
um, we weren't allowed to get our cameras out of the bag for like two days there. And then when we finally did, we turn them on ourselves because now in that two days of writing, of exploring, of being kids, of getting a, a hall pass to do whatever you want for the next two days, as long as I say it's okay, um, then they get this renewed, they'll pick the camera up and they'll realize like, okay, I get what Parker means by the camera getting in the way of the photographer because it's got nothing to do with the camera. And I used to say it has very little to do with the camera, but it's almost to a nothing now. Like the cameras, whatever. That's why, you know, when you ask about, you know, the, what I'm doing with the camera, it's like, well, that's today. Who knows what tomorrow I'll bring? Because it's if I find a new voice or something I want to say, then I may need a different technique. And so I'll run with that. But it's it's pulling that out of each and every one of us has a story. And everybody's worried about everyone else's story in a, in photography, which as a documentary photography photographer, I think, you know, you stand back and observe, you don't even need to know this story so much. It helps, I'm sure, but everybody wants to just tell everyone else's story and that nobody's telling their own story. And they can tell that within their own photographs, each of their photographs should have a piece of them in it. And I, I say the same thing. Like it, it's, is an energetic, especially portraiture. Yes. So, and it's an energetic connection between the photographer and the subject. Yes. It has to be. Yes. And the camera, like you said, is, is the tool. You talk about translating through photography mm -hmm. or film. Can you yep. explain what you mean by that? Um, translating what... Oh my gosh, the whole translation thing is one of my babies. I just love this part of the workshop, especially. The translating a smell to a an image. Translating a piece of music to a story. Translating a what some the texture of something to a photograph. And we have these things, these translators within us that reach to the past. They're very present and they can even reach into the future of like, Oh, this brings up this. Like when I smell this, this takes me. And I had, uh, I had one. Um, wow. I've had many unbelievable breakthroughs throughout the workshops with this, but one in particular was so impactful and literally changed the life of of this this participant that um it was man it was a lot to do with child abuse that he didn't even think about until he smelled a certain smell that took him back to a particular day and he hadn't thought about it in years and then he ended up doing a project just on that from that and so those are the translate the translators are how we can see the world differently, hear the world differently, and what we can translate them to. We translate them to our own story, and then we create something to give back to the world that maybe someone else will align with, and it will help them move forward or wake them up. And and that is exactly um, similarly what Addie talked about her experience in terms of going 
just a little bit below. She didn't have to go that far below the surface to understand what was blocking her. Yeah. Uh, but when she did that and then approached photographing in what she, what did she call it? She called it um, an artistic playground, an artist's treasure hunt of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> I, love this, I love that. I love that. Yeah. That was a safe environment yes. because you put people in a very emotional and, oh, yeah. and sensitive place. Yep. Um, I lead retreats for the mind, heart, body, and soul. And so you are, you are the holding space for these people um, yeah. to have these transformational experiences. Uh, and it gets, it gets heavy. Yeah. And, but I and give so, them an outlet to, um, that's right. Do something with that feeling. I think a lot of these, um, a lot of the places that, that I know about, they get it out there, but then what do I do with this and just kind of leave them? And it's, mine's more about photography versus what you run, but I feel like the the merging of the two is like a close, not a closure, but a um, a full circle. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you the outlet. It does. Yes. And the fuel. Yes. And that's, that's the thing. I'm at the fuel level, not the outlet level. Like I'm looking for their fuel while you're looking for an outlet for them. Right. And so I need that fuel. I need them to have that fuel to create something, to create something that's bigger than them that they don't even know. So Parker, I often ask people, uh, what, what are they most excited about right now? What makes you feel alive? Uh, what, yeah, what what gets you going in the morning? Kenna, I I have to be honest with you. I kind of cheated a little bit. I listened to a few of these podcasts, and you always ask the people, you know, what's uh, what's alive for them right now, or what are they excited about? And so, I actually wrote something down, and this is what I wrote: confusion, fear. Anxiety, um, impatient, creative dreams. It's like a vortex of ideas just moving in front of me, but they're so fast. I can't, I can't grab any, but yet they're just right there. They're right at my fingertips, which leads to frustration, I guess, which is just my truth. It's, it's kind of like this great battle that's being fought over truth or a belief I'm not sure which or even if it matters, but it's real to me and it's my homeland and it feels like it's my future. And all this frustration and confusion, I'm okay with it. I'm well, I'm more than okay with it. I'll embrace it. I embrace it as my process. It is my creative process. I know my creative process, but it teaches me so much. And then in turn, I can teach others. That's so beautiful. So I did I see something, one of your recent Instagram posts, and you were talking about that using that creative fuel um, and to, to heal yourself. But then you said the magical thing is that it heals others too. Yeah. So how does sort of healing yourself through the processing that you do and then whether that's doing the photography or it's doing the self-work or how does that heal others too 
Well, I think the images that I produce through my healing, like uh, a lot of the personal work that I have done over the last, um, say, seven, eight years, um, no, that's a lie, 10 years, um, have been really about me and my life changing. Uh, recently went through a divorce after being married 18 years. And that's, that's going back to the translation. What did that feel like to be married, to be bound? And then if you look at my constraint series, you'll see that that is what it feels like for me. Those are all not me, although I have done a self-portrait of that, which I can't share on here. Um, that is, that's, that is not a part of me. That's me up there. And having that hang in my studio, even when I was shooting weddings, a point in case in point, we'll get it out. Um, a mother of the bride walked in the door. M most people are like, I can't believe you showed this kind of work in a wedding studio. And she walked in and just started crying. And she's like, what is this? And I told her what it was. And she's like, I was married 37 years, 35 years. And I know that feeling. That's exactly what it feels like. I want to hire you to shoot me like that. So here I am shooting a mother of the bride bound in, uh, what do we use for her? Uh, there was a story that she had. And I, I listened to the people's stories to kind of implement this idea. Um, and then I just run with it and, and create a one, one of a kind piece for them. And it's a bit of uh, a reminder to them. And, you know, some people see it as bonding. I don't care what people see. I know why I created it. I know what it is to me. And I know what it is for the people like the mother of the bride that understood it. And that's all that matters. That's my one person. Everybody else, I don't care. So who, you, you mentioned earlier that you, even when you were photographing weddings, that you're, you're photographing for yourself. Yep. So who, who do you think art is ultimately for? Is it more oh. the creator? Is it more the receiver? Are they 50-50? Oh, uh, that is a wonderful question. Like, I'm just going back to, you know, the amazing painters of the world. And I have to think that they created those for themselves, first and foremost. I think that's what it was for. Um, I know I, I feel that way with, unless it's like a commissioned job that you go shoot a portrait and a headshot. And it's like that, that's different. You know, like that's, that's, um, that's the, the work end of what I do. And that's, that's the photography end, not the artist end. Right. And that's I think what I'm, I'm a, talking about the art. Yeah. The art. No, that's all for me. I, I think art is, I think the creator, um, if it, it like, if it isn't, then doesn't that just make it a commodity if it's not for the artist itself? Right. I don't know if that's logic or not, but it seems to me that like, if I'm just doing it to sell it for money for the world or whatever, then, you know, it, it's not as, not as special. It's. Um, yeah. I think if you're creating for somebody else, then it's, ultimately going to be a little bit 
soulless. Yeah. Again, like you said, there's the commission worked and yeah. not that there aren't incredible collaborations and a multitude exactly. of reasons why you're creating something. Exactly. But ultimately the things that I think have the most impact, like you said, and have the ability to heal others and show that vulnerability of the artist the quote-unquote authenticity another overused right. word right now but still. i know i know and i'm a big user of that word too and now everybody's using it so now i gotta find a new word yes come up with a new word okay and then we won't tell anyone okay perfect <laughs> um i just i guess my encouragement to people who are listening is to really ask yourself why you are creating or and yeah. going back to your point of lemmings or, or just you know, thinking that there's a way that you should do something. Right. Um, I, I always, I've thrown this out there many times, but um, I had a therapist who said, don't shit on yourself. Oh, you're going to shit all over yourself. I know yeah. that. That's uh, shit all over that? yourself. Yep. <laughs> don't Is do that. Is that No, it's not Brene Brown. I don't think so. I don't know. I, I can't remember. I, I don't know. My therapist. Anyway. Told me, so I don't know who originally said it, anyway. but the, the, this idea of that there is a formula, that there are shoulds, and if there are shoulds within art, it just, it doesn't become the no. statement of a unique person. No, and maybe that's what defines um, the difference between art and photography. Hmm. You know, maybe there's, you know, I've never really thought about that, but I've always considered photography an art. Well, not all photography I don't think is really an art, but then again, what is art? Who defines art? So there it's all subjective and you go into this crazy tailspin of nuts that trying to figure it out. And it's just like, I don't know. I just know what I do and I know what I can pull out of others. And I don't know what you call it. I'm not a wordsmith. My first language is photography. It's not English. So, you know, I, I get really tripped up with trying to put a label on something that the other side of my brain's like, what the hell? Why do you have to put a label on it? Who cares? It's done. They're doing it. That's all that matters. So true. It, wow. But tell me more about your first language being photography. What do you mean by that? Oh, my gosh. I just, I, I'm, uh, I, I don't talk so good. That was a joke, by the way. Um. I, I just can't get words out of how, like everything I do in photography is feeling based. And when I feel into something, it's always been that way, whether I was, you know, using the shotgun shooting trap or whether I was using a camera, everything is about feeling it. And when I trip the shutter, I know it, I feel it. When I play with a certain technique, I feel it. So everything comes from, this place that can't really be labeled as and yet you're a writer too well i don't do you consider, consider yourself do no. you consider yourself a writer no. why well because my partner is actually a writer and okay. i always think she's looking up but she loves what i write and i know a lot of people love what i write but i uh that's not I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm doing a lot more of that in, in public. I've always done a lot of it, but so getting it out there, I guess maybe a little bit, but I mean, honestly, to me, that writing, when I close my eyes is just an image. Like I know mm. how to make that image 
right now of whatever and what it's going to feel like to me, which means it will feel like that to someone else because we're not one of a kind. How does it feel to put your writing out there? Uh, uh, Mr. Feel, Mr. Feel. (laughs) Well, kind of, I feel like I'm starting a fight half the time where I don't really mean to, I mean to just kind of get my feelings out. I try to lead with the, I believe, and, you know, I Simon Sinek the hell out of it. And, and, but yet still I get into this, this major conflict with people sometimes, but then, you know, Elizabeth, my partner, she's like, that's not a conflict. It's a conversation. And it's a conversation that needed to be had and that you opened up all this, this mindfulness throughout this. So I guess it, it feels kind of good because I can, I can, um, I give people a little bit of space to not have such a knee jerk reaction to the world and actually sit with it a second and think about the other side a little bit, which I love, which I love doing with my photography, but, um, it also seems that, you know, sometimes my photography is over everyone's head, but mine because I made it and it's for me and I don't expect people to understand it completely. But then when it does though, ah, that's the good stuff. You know, you've aligned, you know? Right. Right. I mean, and, and so approaching life with a, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Yes. Uh, what other people think about me or my work is none of my business. Right. You know, it can be, it can be hard because our brains are a different thing than our hearts. Yeah. And our brains do, do funny things. Yes, they do. To us and for us. I want to jump to oh. another one of your Instagram oh, boy. posts. And... It's an, there's an image of a model and she has something, um, a handful of something she's sitting on the ground and there's blood dripping down mm. her hand. You have to kind of go look closely because it's on Instagram, at least right, you know, what right. I was looking at. And you talk about looking outward for love uh, can be painful and unfulfilling and that your belief is the real prize comes when you look within. Yeah. 100%. Another overused term, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm going one on one. How did you personally come to know this as the truth? Oh, wow! Um, <laughs> I've got a great story about this. A, a friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine, a brother, um, suggested one night he had had way too much tequila. This is over the phone, mind you. And he doesn't remember telling me this. He says, well, maybe I kind of do, but damn, that was good advice. He told me to spend the next 30 days accepting and embracing any kind of positive affirmation anyone gave me because he's known me for over 20 years now. And he would be at WPPI and we'd be hanging out in the hallway and someone would come up and want me to sign something or want to take a picture with me or give me a a great accolade about one of the, one of the um, images that I had made. And the first thing I would do was look down 
And I would look down and just want to run away because I hated being there. I hated people um, like looking up to me at all. I didn't understand it. I'm like, what? And I, I, I still have issues with that, like even being on this podcast. But um, you can't see it, but your cheeks are turning red. Oh, I can imagine they are right now. I feel them being very flush. I mean, the, the caliber of people you have on here, here I am. Um, so he gave me this advice. All right. For the next 30 days, scratch that, make it 90. I want you to anytime any, anybody says anything good about you, or I like your eyes today, or I like your hair, or you drive well or whatever. I want you to say that back to yourself three times and like pause and just do that. So I'm like, this sounds like the dumbest thing ever, but I'm always, you know, I said it earlier. I don't say no to very much. And I'm like, all right, I'll try it. Why not? It wasn't with, it was within like just a few days where I realized, holy crap, like a lot of people say nice things to me. And all I do is, really ignore them or tell them they're stupid or like all these terrible things. And it's like, wow, I'm really insulting them. And so once I realized, because I'm also kind of a people pleaser on the other side of me, once I realized that I was insulting people, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. That can't happen. So I started digging in deep in what I love about myself. And then I started writing about it and it became like, this um this stirring of a i don't know it 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 changed my outlook on everything really like whether it be in relationships or whether it be with my work or it it made me part of a community that i didn't want to be a part of and so it it kind of allowed me to to come cuz I really don't have that big of a community and I really miss that or I don't miss it. I, I wonder what that's like, I should say. So what do you, what do you mean by it? It made me feel like I was a part of a community. Well, because I can, like if a person says something really nice to me and I just look down and ignore them, then there's no conversation going forward. There's no getting to know them. There's no anything. I just want to run the hell away as fast as I can. And it's like, well, they, what do they know? You know, what do they, what do they know that say my beard looks good? They don't have a beard. So it, it's, a, it's a thing of like, now I can have this communication and have a possible community and be, you know, uh, a part of that community and a voice for that community. And it's like, you know, I bitch and moan about wanting change in the photography world, yet I'm not saying anything. Well, that's my own fault. So Hence, I start teaching, and that has been one of the biggest things, biggest my biggest loves, like even beyond photography, is to watch these people take to something that's just right in front of them, and we all have it, and it's just finding the one voice that they understand, which is their own. And once the, their own voice tells them how to drive the ship, then they got it. But they're just they're they're always listening to everyone else. And when I teach a workshop, I teach them to be them, not me. I don't want to actually teach them anything, other than just hold a mirror up to them and it's like, this is who you are. How do we get what you want to be out of that? 
when would you say that you found your voice or have you? Yeah, I think I found my voice a long time ago, but I think I am really starting to master my pitch. Mm. So it's my voice I had, which was my intent or my why, right? But now it's like, okay, I need to have the right tone in order to reach people, to help people, or I need to have the right tone to shake things up, whether that be with my photography or what I'm saying or what I'm writing. So it just, I think it just depends, you know, it's like having a, uh, what do they, they call it? Having a range of octaves to get the job done. So that's what I'm really focusing on now is, is really, um, really honing in on those octaves and that pitch of what needs to happen to, to move people um, to change and to, or to let go or to grab hold or whatever they need to do. Cause everybody's very different and it's uh, yeah. You talked about Elizabeth and your partnering and you partner on these workshops, all of them or some of them. All of them now, all going them. forward, all of them, yeah. Going forward, all of them. That's yep. super exciting. So oh, yes. for people that aren't, and that was what Addie, going back to Addie earlier, she was saying, I can only imagine what they're like now uh, with Elizabeth, yeah. you know, as part of it. So can you describe for people then what that experience is with what Elizabeth is bringing to it? Elizabeth uh, brings the question. She is probably the most curious person outside of me that I've ever met. And she may even be more curious than me. I'm not sure, but she knows what questions to ask. She comes from, um, uh, from a writing background. She graduated from Wellesley and she has like, a, a she's, she's this amazing artistic writing machine, but not even writing a feeling like, I think that's why we're together, because we feel the same. We um, we get into that same groove of questions. And she did one workshop with me, and she understood that we taught very much the same. She's also a mentor um, to high school kids getting into, like, all the big Ivy League schools and everything and helps them write their papers and come up with a, a creative thing to do outside of just applying. Um, so she's had really great success with that. Um, so she, she, she gets people fired up. She gets kids fired up about something in their life. Um, so it's not just grades that they're going into a school with and much the same at the workshop. She gets people fired up. She sees my direction and I see her direction. We'll go back and forth like on a particular person to get to the answer that they need to hear or get to the question to pose to them to pull it out and she's amazing at that awesome and she's caring and loving and you know all i that like too. that you're blushing again when of course. <laughs> talking about elizabeth <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i told addy i've got to come on one of these one of yes. one of your workshops please so, do it's, it's my jam yeah well we still got seats in morocco come on Ooh. over Thank you. 
Morocco is an incredible place. I've, I led a photography tour there as well. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and it's. I mean, the the landscapes and the you know the history and all of that. Yeah, um, is such an incredible setting and going somewhere that's so old you know yes is amazing and you're going to chef shawan right chef Shawan. yes yep chef shawan and fess yes so cool and it's the the challenge for me because i love photographing people and Mm. it's hard to culturally um photograph people in morocco and so i totally respect that absolutely Um, and and that's why i picked it Ah, interesting. I, if you notice, like none of my workshops are in anywhere easy. We're right. in Iceland in winter. We're in Scotland in the rainy season. We're in uh, Oregon, which, you know, you never know what's happening in Oregon. That's just, oh my gosh, that's a month away. <gasps> South Dakota Badlands, where there's just nothing out there and good luck. So basically putting people already outside of their comfort zone yep. to then it's a it's a it makes it an easier access point it does when, when they're freezing it's zone. 16 degrees and they just don't know what ends up and yeah it's rough i love and it people and people pay good money for this <laughs> yes they do it's an investment in yourself yep. uh, and that's that's that self-discovery is the most important thing yeah to fuel on, whether that's fueling on your life or your creativity. Exactly. I mean, so many changes have happened in people's lives, you know, with the workshops in not a photography sense, but in a personal sense where, um, you know, it, it always blows my mind how much people change and pretty much all of them, I think would say it's not a photography workshop, but it's the best photography workshop they'd ever taken. And it, it, because they learn more about themselves, which they can put to their work. And then their work just shifts radically. And I get to watch all of it. And it's so rewarding for me to watch people change so much. And I remember Addie, when just kind of remembering back, it was something about her, I think grandfather or dad and a piano. And there happened to be a piano there. And I made her write about it. And she wrote about it and wow, it just changed everything. Like I made, I think if I'm remembering right, I made her go to, cause she, she couldn't do it. She's like, I just can't do it. And I'm like, no, go to the other room. You're doing it. And I forced her and I was like, don't come back until you've got it written. And she came back and was just like floored at what she had written. That's the way I remember it. Addie, I'm think- sorry if I'm, it's been a while and you know. No, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. And, and yeah. then not only did she feel like the photography that came out of, of that after um, that experience of the writing, but she also yeah. wrote a poem uh, yes. and, and that came out of it too. So things that, you know, and as somebody that wasn't very comfortable sharing her heart, you know, yeah. with, with a lot of people publicly um, that, that. Again, yeah. She rocked that workshop. That's awesome. Shout outs to Addie. Addie, Addie. So like you said about the photography workshops that aren't all about photography, I, I sometimes I question whether I should call this podcast something different than we are photographers, because I'll have people say like, oh, I'm not a photographer. You know, it's that podcast isn't for me. I'm like, actually, it's not really about photography. 
<laughs> right, right. <laughs> and and so I, I greatly appreciate, uh, Parker, your uh, just sharing your non-photography but related to world and experiences and um, wisdom with us. Well, it was my pleasure. Where can people find you, follow you, go on your workshops, all of the good stuff? Well, I suppose uh, my website is a good place to start, and that is parkerfister.com. That's P-A-R-K-E-R-P is in pneumonia, F is in Frank, I-S is in Sam, T is in Tom, E-R.com. Wow. Uh, I'm also on the Instagram and the Facebook. I believe it's Parker J. Fister on Instagram. I'm not sure that's actually right. I'm not, I don't know what my Instagram handle is. Kenna, can you help me? Yes. I'm pretty sure there's the J. I have it. I have it down there somewhere. This is hilarious. This is, this is me right here. This is the, please don't edit this out because I don't know my Facebook handle. Is it a handle? Do you call it a handle? I don't know what it is. That's Hmm. a CB thing. I think, I think I'm a trucker. I might be. Well, Instagram is a handle, but is Facebook a handle? I don't know. Let's see. Um, So yeah, I I, I believe it is. Let's see. Parker J. Fister. Yes. And the J stands for genius. Now we know. Genius with a J. Yep. And then just Parker Fister on the Facebook. And um, yeah, you can go to the website and then all the workshops are there. Uh, We have one in Morocco in September. I don't know when this is going to air. Probably never. Um, and then, uh, let's see, South Dakota, we just have two seats open up and then there'll be more coming down the pike. Soon. Awesome. Well, thank you again. What a pleasure. Well, thank you. It is my pleasure. I'm Kenna Klosterman and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. Follow all things Parker J. Fister via his website, parkerfister.com. Of course, all of his social links are in the show notes. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator and photographer in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, head over to creativelive.com and check out the Creator Pass. That's our subscription that gives you access to over 1,500 classes taught by the world's top creators and entrepreneurs. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review We Are Photographers wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. We would love to hear from you, and I read each and every review. You can stay up to date with everything happening at Creative Live by following us on social media at Creative Live everywhere. Thank you again to Parker Fister, and I'll see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers.